This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 175 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. For the second straight week, we have to dive back into the transfer portal as Colin Moore has followed Jaheim Hudson out of the program. There's better transfer news, too, as the basketball program got a new addition over the weekend and Georgia State baseball worked back to 500 with a win at Georgia on Tuesday night. We'll discuss that and the Bustlot Boys trip to South Alabama later. But first, we got to talk about basketball. Colin Moore is out, announcing he was entering the portal on Monday of this week. Moore led the Panthers with 14.2 points per game in the 13 games he appeared in this past season. He also co-led the team in steals, despite only appearing in 42% of the team's games. With his and Hudson's exits, along with the movement earlier in the transfer window, none of previous head coach Rob Lanier's signees remain in the program. Gentlemen, thoughts on uh, Colin's exit? Much like Jaheim Hudson last week, as we kind of did our timely emergency pod with Ben, I was not expecting this. It kind of felt like the window where guys were going to leave probably had closed, but how wrong we were. Um. I think it's another case where, I mean, already I think he's announced Illinois has reached out, Mississippi State has reached out, Colorado, among like the power conference teams, handful of others as well. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but like the bottom line is this will be an opportunity for him to level up, as it were. I believe he should probably end up at a power conference school. I think teams took notice, you know, after the first or second or third, however many waves there's been of players. I think he was a guy that was still technically available because everyone's available in this day and age that had put up a lot of good numbers in the short time he played last year, productive three point shooter active on defense and, you know, easy to see why other programs would like to add him and an opportunity for him. And, you know, I think there's a lot to unpack as ever with just what the NIL and what the transfer portal has done to college athletics. But, I don't want to have it ever come from a place to start of like, like I get where he's coming from, from his side. And it's a good opportunity for him. And I'm sure wherever he lands, he will be a impact player because we have really in the last couple of months, even as the the program itself was not in a good spot, we were seeing the best game, you know, the best play that Colin had put together since coming to Georgia state. And it felt like next year was going to be kind of a step up where you could expect a lot from him. Unfortunately for Jonas Hayes and the Panthers, it's going to be happening next year in a different uniform. It unfortunately is. Uh, I liked a lot of what you said. And it's if you know, if you're listening to this and you're checking the date like, no, this is this is this week's podcast, the latest edition of this podcast, um, because this is I mean, this happened last week. And I, I don't think I have much different to say other than, I mean, yeah, it's a loss, but. At the end of the day, Georgia State needs to do something different than what they did last year because last year wasn't working out, obviously. And I, I don't say that to say that Colin Moore couldn't have been useful. He couldn't have been, you know, a special player on this team. No, I mean, you put his numbers up against uh, on a full season, he's probably making a Sunbelt, an all Sunbelt list. You know, like that is, there's a reason you know, power five teams or, you know, high majors, whatever it's called in basketball. There's a reason he's gotten interest from those schools instead of moving on to a, you know, another mid-major school, you know, and that I think at the end of the day, if that's what's going to happen, 
it kind of comes down to a couple of things with Georgia State. I mean, you know, we've seen it with the coaches in football. You know, when you're good, people start calling. And with the way that the transfer portal goes, somebody has probably seen his tape. Somebody, you know, I, I don't want to accuse anybody of tampering because that's not the case. But, you know, he probably felt that he had an the ability to go latch on somewhere, you know, pretty big and play really big minutes. And, you know, this that 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 means a lot to some guys that means a lot to a lot of different guys and when there's not necessarily that that core identity and culture at your school um on on your on your team not necessarily at your school sorry but on the specific team you know guys will look to leave i mean i would even remove that last part from it just like in general and i don't know that it matters if it's tampering or not i mean whether it's tampering or whether it's someone close to the player saying, hey, I think you have an opportunity to make some money in NIL if you make this move. It's a no-brainer. I mean, I think someone I saw put it like, if you got offered, you personally, anyone who's a follower of college athletics to, you know, you could make fifty dollars to $80,000 to switch schools, you switch jobs, whatever. I don't think anyone would say no. And I think that's where my frustration is because I wanted to get the first part out because truthfully, I don't blame... Colin or any player for these moves because it, it's a no-brainer and it's an opportunity to play probably at a higher level for some more money uh, than you were making at your previous place. But it just it, it's a situation where it's just prolonging the gap that there is between the haves and the haves not in college athletics. When college basketball hadn't been level, obviously, you know, you look at who wins national championships, who's going to the tournament who is putting up these, you know, putting players in the NBA. Obviously, there's not a level playing field in D1 basketball. There hasn't been. It was just closer before this because, you know, what's happening now, it's happening in football and in basketball, is basically like power conference schools can miss on their recruiting classes and then just scoop up from the lower levels guys that do put on a show and do show that they can play. And so it feels like a mulligan for programs that don't need mulligans and this is just adding on to that and the fact that it's kind of endless like obviously there are signposted dates for the portal but you know you have guys starting to look around before the season ends and before the portal opens and you know you have guys where it just kind of gets timed out to where when one wave finishes the next one starts because guys see their opportunity you know to get out there and be the attainable recruit as a team is continually you know the next set of teams is looking for their guys to replace them and i don't know how it ends i don't think it's necessarily tenable right now without some kind of reform because it being the level of wild wild west it is is a pretty net negative for all but the best programs in college basketball Uh, but as things stands it is what it is and i think the only way you can really combat it is being better because I don't think it's a guarantee you can keep players, but you know, if Georgia state goes out next year and reverses their win loss from previous year, I think it probably is a better chance that you don't have guys leave for other opportunities. Unless it just makes that much more sense. You know, I don't think that Collins will end up looking like a, you know, a a coin flip decision. I think if he lands at some of the places that he's already gotten interest from, then I don't know that anything would have changed if Georgia state was close to the NCAA tournament or what have you. I think that this would have been a case where you were losing the guy no matter what. But, you know, as you're looking at on the margins and just making sure that you're not having to do this every offseason, 
the only thing you can do is kind of have a cohesive program that wins. And so because Georgia state fans want to get back to winning ways. And because it seems like the only real defense that anyone can point to getting back to winning next year is going to be imperative for Jonas Hayes and company. And it will be a little bit harder without Colin Moore. I mean, I think I'd say the same thing I said last week about Jaheim where no one on a 10 win team is irreplaceable, but I think Colin is less replaceable than Jaheim and probably less replaceable than a handful of guys that are coming back uh, because he offered a lot in the short time that he played last year. And he felt like he was going to take it a next step and be kind of a cornerstone. And so, you know, you've got three scholarships again, you're probably have to find someone that you feel can be kind of a difference maker, unless you're projecting that from someone who's coming in from the signing class that might now have more minutes available and more shots available than maybe he and you as a staff expected when you had the guy come in. It's going to be one of the two, you know, I think you're going to have to find someone who can either fill in a little bit more or make shoot for a home run with one of these recruits that you can continue to sign um, and try and make a difference maker happen that way. It's crazy because if you think about it, like, when Coach Hunter left, like I think it was three years after, there were still players from his recruiting class up until uh, the 21-22 season. So I guess I mean, up until last year, he brought in Corey Allen and Justin Roberts. Okay, yeah, so yeah, that's 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 the year that I mean, I'm referring they re- to. They redshirted, but yeah. yeah, but it's 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 crazy to me that you know Coach Lanier has been gone one year and. Everybody from that class is gone, which, you know, is uh, I, I guess that my marvel here is more with the transfer portal um, than anything else, because obviously those three coaches played under different rules. And, you know, Coach Hunter left before COVID and, you know, there's some extra context and nuance that I'm intentionally being vague about. But it's it's just weird that when you th- you know think of the landscape of the classes and, you know, the coaches. It's just it's a completely different thing. And I I think this year specifically will be a much better test on, you know, Coach Hayes recruiting just because of how much he's had to put it on the fly, just how much talent has had to come in this year. And I'm not not saying I, I don't say that to expect it to be, you know, a top class that, you know, just dominates the Sun Belt. And here you go. Georgia State has flipped the script and, you know, is right back to the winning ways. No, but I think if this year will really show you just kind of the both the progress in the recruiting and just kind of the direction that needs to happen going forward. Um, Cause it's, I mean, it's, it's his, it's his show now. Like it's, it's completely his show. You know, he's not working with somebody else's guy and, you know, building a relationship, like all these relationships that, you know, it's on Hayes and company now. Yeah. I think some of this is, here to stay at least until some change comes. I don't think you're going to be necessarily turning over as many guys in a given off season every year, but you, know, you have to be pre- prepared for it nowadays. And you know, certainly as we said last week, there's still a lot of guys that are still out there and a uh, best luck to Colin, wherever he does end up. And, you know, after all that probably it feels, feels better to switch around and talk about a new Panther rather than a former Panther.
The Colin Moore announcement put a damper on the positive transfer news Coach Hayes and his staff got over the weekend when Queens forward Jaden Turner announced his intention to commit to Georgia State. Turner has been a part of a Queens program, which transitioned from D2 to D1 last season, for four seasons. He's played in 120 career games and averaged 8.4 points per game and 7.5 rebounds in his lone season at the D1 level in 2022 to 2023. That rebounding mark led the Atlantic Sun Conference. With one player in and one player out, the faces changed slightly, but just like last week, the Panthers have three scholarships left to give out. Gentlemen, thoughts? Yeah, you know, in speaking to you lose a guy and you replace him, this felt pretty like for like. And that's not necessarily saying that he's going to have the exact type of game that Jaheim Hudson had when we're talking about Jaden Turner, but it's a guy that's going to immediately, I'd say, start in the front court. You know, led his conference in rebounds last year, and he he's undersized. He's the Georgia State graphic listed him at six six, uh, but when you're putting up those type of rebounding numbers at that size, it tells me that you're playing with the energy that you know how to get to the ball, which is something that guys that have all the measurables you'd want aren't as proficient at um, down low. Like it is an art getting rebounds and stacking them up, and so. Those are encouraging numbers. It's a guy that he was around 10 points a game. I don't know that he's going to come in and be expected to be a scoring threat. It'll be kind of like whatever he adds on will be bonus. But when you look at him and Leslie and Kerwam from Longwood, it's two guys that it feels like are going to kind of set the tone rebounding and defensively, you know, have played a lot of minutes collectively. I think 240 something combined games between them at the division one and division two level. Uh, so it felt like in Turner, they immediately got the guy who's going to fit in where Jaheim Hudson was going to play in 2023, just with, you know, maybe focusing more on the defense and the rebounding than what with Jaheim's offense. But I like the addition. I, I, it's, you know, you can't get enough for a team that lost their medal in the middle of games quite a lot in this past season and lost those games as a result of it you couldn't add too many senior voices and just guys that have played a lot of basketball. And so having two where one of him and Leslie are probably going to be on the court at any given time. I think that's an absolute need for this program next season. It's a good addition. You know, I liked everything you said and you know, it's hard to project kind of where people will be just because I feel like they've brought in specific roles less so you know that they've brought in you know one star player like I, I think you could make an argument that where georgia state could be eight or nine deep next year and like a solid eight or nine deep next year where you know you've got the whole line changes just because you know if there's a section of the game where somebody needs to be in there for rebounding or just defense they're gonna play and then if there's a game where you need to push some tempo and you know the offense has gotten a little stagnant um guys will be fresher and you know a guy like Jaden turner that's exactly what he's being brought in to do like you said the rebounding probably going to be there um i don't know that the scoring is going to be there you know it's not you know we're not talking about crazy efficiency we're not talking about a guy who's a three-point shooter either um but it's it's something to watch and there's going to be a pretty long rotation um and it, like it, it's it's hard to project this team. Like we, we talked about it last week. It's really hard to project this team just because there's so many, you know, 
pieces, if you will. And I think he's just going to be another piece into the Panther puzzle, if you will. Yeah, I don't know. I need to do a little bit of looking at like his tape from this past year and see how he got his points before I can really say for sure on the offense because it doesn't feel like he'd necessarily be the traditional like big who's going to do pick and roll to the basket with that type of game with Dewan or whatever, but it might <clears throat> but it might be a situation where the way he gets his points offensively lines up with, you know, the guards that Jordan State's got. And if he's comfortable, you know, we, we've talked about a couple of times, just those times where Dewan was looking for anyone who was available under the hoop when he was driving and sucking up all the attention. And so if he's able to get in those spots and get open and have the strong hands that maybe were lacking at times last season, that will be a way where maybe he's going to feature more offensively than we're looking at right now, just going off the raw numbers. So I do want to look at that more as the off season goes on. And, you know, I run out of other things currently going on to look at I haven't gotten to do a full deep dive yet, but I'm definitely intrigued by the addition. It feels like another guy who can come in, you know, with him and Leslie, it feels like you can set like a benchmark of like between them, you're getting like 14 and 14 at night, something like that. And that's a good floor to get when, you know, especially after you lost Jaheim, your floor of like what you could count on for sure from your front court was pretty low just because with a freshman coming in with Ed in his second year, still kind of developing, you needed some sure assuredness. And I think with now two guys, you've got that. And so your safety is foul proof because now you've got two guys that you can kind of trust to be in that type of role. And that <laughs> you saw it last year. You need you need that. You need it to be to come from multiple guys. Um, and it's it, I'm trying to temper my own expectations more than anything else, just because, like I said, I don't know how all of it really fits together. Like, yeah, you can see kind of individual roles, but obviously they have to play basketball, you know, be on the court together. But I think. I, you can definitely see the bones of a good squad here. Yeah, and you know, three scholarships left. Uh, VMI, VMI transfer Ricky Bradley Jr. is a target of the staff, and he's announcing this weekend. So one way or another, you'll find out the news there soon about a possible backup point guard to Dewan Odom if he commits here. And then the, I think that's you know, whether it's Bradley, whoever, that's a spot that feels pretty locked in. Like they do want another point guard to back up Dewan. I think with Collins departure, you're going to get a, at least one more wing and it kind of becomes that battle between like, do you want to get another wing or do you want to get another big? And I think because of Colin leaving feels pretty safe to say they're going to get at least one more wing, if not use the scholarship, the other scholarship on another one. Um, but for sure, you're at least going to get one more wing. Maybe if you don't get two, you're going to split it and get another big as well. Um, interested to see. We went into a little bit on that last week, just talking about where the uh, scholarships could go. And I don't think the calculus has changed too much. I just think it means instead of being like, maybe it's a wing, Colin leaving means you're definitely adding another one. No, I actually think Georgia State is going to leave that specific part of defense and offense. just. To the birds. They'll put coach in for it. No need. But, you know, in, in seriousness, 
they did add a couple of shooters already. So, you know, I think you'd want to add another one back just to feel like you're where you thought you'd be when you added guys like Denari Lane and Julian Mackey. But, you know, if the season started today and they didn't have the scholarships that they still do have, Georgia State, even losing Colin Moore, is a better jump shooting team now with the guys they added. And so I do think, you know, whether you add a guy that's maybe more of a project with the scholarship that you have now because of Colin or, you know, whatever it is, whether, you know, if Julian or Tanari show up and are just kind of like, oh, this guy's going to play 35 minutes a game and just go off for us, you know, you feel more comfortable about the shooting to where losing a guy like Colin, who might have been the guy who took the most or made the most threes for you next season, feels more manageable, maybe slightly. That might be a little bit of just kind of like off-season copium, but uh, I do think that the roster is in a better place now. Like you say, how it shapes out and who plays what minutes and in what roles is really going to come down to once we get to October, November time. But it feels like the pieces fit a lot better than they did last year. And, you know, you'd hope that's the case because last year, clearly the pieces just didn't fit in a way that made it to where the team was just not going to be able to win a lot of games. And year two, there's going to be a lot of expectation to turn that around. So we're going to have to see how that goes as the offseason continues to shape up. All right, let's move on to baseball. It was an even Stevens week for the Bustlot boys, who went 2-2 two and two after losing 2-3 of three in Mobile to South Alabama before heading to Athens on Tuesday and holding on for a 9-7 to seven win over UGA. Freshman Brady Jones got the save in the win over UGA, and Luke Boynton clobbered two home runs, and in doing so, helped the team tie the program's all-time record for home runs in a single season at 82, with at least 14 games to go. All in all, this leaves Georgia State 21-21 and 21 on the year, Next up for the Panthers is a three-game home set with the thundering herd of Marshall this weekend and the Will Owens Classic next Tuesday night as they head up to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. So, gentlemen, thoughts on baseball? Yeah, so first off, thoughts and prayers for that home run record, which is going to get just obliterated. Absolutely Uh, crushed. Just no chance it stays anywhere close. I think we... like intuitively knew that the record had to be coming up because of how many home runs this team hit. You know, maybe you thought last year they put up a big number also, but I didn't realize it was going to come this early and that they were going to come just that far over the line on that. So obviously, congrats to the best lot mashers for putting up that insane, you know, top, I think it's still in the top five or around the top five in D1 in home runs. And wouldn't shock me. The story of game one was the bats, the bats, the bats against South Alabama ported on one fifteen five, and it was a it's what made maybe the rest of the weekend feel more of a disappointment because when you win the Friday opener, gives you that momentum. Dropping the the second two, you know, you lose five two and you lose seven two on Sunday. Feels, you know, when you had that first win to start it, missed opportunity, made a little bit better by going over and beating Georgia on Tuesday because it's still a two and two week instead of one and three. It's a win over an in-state, you know, pedigree program. And now that gives Georgia State baseball wins over Kennesaw State, Mercer, Georgia Tech, and Georgia all in the same season with a series against Georgia Southern still to come at home. So opportunity to get one over on every other home in-state team uh, in the baseball field. Certainly something to uh, put a feather in the cap about. But uh, I'd still say on the whole, you know, I think you'd take 
you'd have taken a two and two week heading out of it, but I think you probably would have hoped for winning the series against South Alabama and losing to Georgia as nice as it is to beat the Bulldogs. Uh, just because Georgia, as we sit right now, Georgia state is outside looking in on the Sunbelt tournament. They're in 11th place, a spot behind South Alabama who they lost to this weekend and lost the tiebreaker to this weekend because this is the only time they play. So that might be significant later on. All they can do now is just build on this, the win that they just got and uh, take that momentum going forward because, you know, they're kind of in, it's a, a mess of teams around, you know, 10 and eight to eight and 10, which is where Georgia state is. So there's certainly still ability to move up, uh, but they're going to have to start stacking some series wins together to get there. You know, it's tough. We've talked about the pitching all year um, and I won't even really belabor the point. Uh, but in the win on Friday, you know, you got a really good start. You know, Ryan Watson goes six innings, only gives up the one run. Um, you know, bullpen kind of leaks a little bit there, but okay, fine. And then you, you know, you just kind of get into the rest of the weekend and Joseph Brandon only goes two innings, gives up three three runs. Rafael Acosta only gives up five runs. And, you know, as we've said, like the, the Friday starters, we feel... We feel like the Friday starts are going a lot better. Um, you know, getting in later into the weekend, getting into the midweek, it's a little up and down. And, and you kind of wish the bats had picked them up like they did when they faced Georgia. Um, you know, came out hungry and hunting those fastballs and hitting homers as they do. Um, if they're going to put that streak together, like you say, Brady, it's just going to have to continue to be with the pitching. They're going to have to continue to find weekends where they, they hit well, they pitch well. Um, Cause there's, I mean, like, like we've said, we've said it all year. There's talent. It's not like necessarily it's devoid of talent. It's just about matchups and, you know, just guys getting out of innings and, you know, minimizing damage. Like we've seen it. It has happened. I think, I think lately the pitching has, not been better than the offense, but it's not been the give up 10 runs every single game that it was early on in the season. Um, yeah, certainly this offense has enough firepower to win games where the pitching gives up five runs and seven runs as they did on the Saturday and the Sunday against South Alabama. And so I do think that that's more about like the offense has got to produce a little bit more in those games. Uh, for sure. For sure. You had a chance more so five runs. You know, there is kind of that line there, six, seven runs. Like that's about, you know, where you're asking a lot more of your offense from that point, the more runs you tack on from there. But the Saturday was frustrating, I think, in the sense that it was they were down to nothing in the first inning, trailed the entire way, but kept it close. They cut it to 3-2 at one point, and then two-run home run made it 5-2, and that's where it ended. And it was never out of reach, but just the offense couldn't scrabble together enough to get – it tied you know, even just getting it tied there kind of flips the momentum a little bit and they couldn't even kind of get that and they couldn't capitalize on the opportunities they had. But on the other side of things, I do want to highlight Brady Jones and the win over Georgia. Yeah, Cause I think we've talked a little bit about, you know, him and like Davis Chastain, true freshman working out of the bullpen. I think that they're guys that the staff is going to really want to lean on in coming years because, you know, Ryan Watson and Joseph Brandon aren't going to be here. Rafael Acosta also not going to be here. Anyway, I think we've talked about them and I certainly I've talked about them in the context of like some of these lumps that they've taken are good because you kind of have to have those at the college level 
to kind of, okay, this is what the, this is at. The hitters are not going to swing it as many things as they did at the high school level. Like it is a harder game in D1 baseball. But on the other side, things like Tuesday where, you know, he gets the ball in the ninth and two run game and the first two guys get on base and it feels a little bit like, oh no, here we go again. And he slams the door shut and he got a strikeout of, to finish it off. And you could very clearly tell from watching the game that he was pumped about getting that strikeout and getting that win. And so as much as it is important just for these freshman pitchers to get the experience, however it goes, I think certainly a moment like that was a important thing as well, because you need to also have the positive and you have to take away of like, I can get guys out at this level. And so as you're looking at the 2024 baseball team, looking ahead, like spoiler alert, He's going to be a big part of the pitching side, and so is Chastain. And so for freshmen to have a moment like that, worth its weight in gold down the line as he can continue to build and develop as a college pitcher. That's all you want. You know, if you're not going to be competing for championships, which is the real goal, you want to see improvements. You want to see guys who can take something and, you know, bring that to the next year. So, that, I mean, that's that's huge for Jones. And, I mean, that, that's huge for the team. Like, like we said it last year. Maybe the final record for this this Georgia State team isn't the step forward that we think it should have been. Um, but it's not like there hasn't been – huge performances from young guys who can't take anything going forward like that's that's all the first few years of coach Dromdahl has been and you know we're not talking about like five years of just incremental improvements like we're talking about pretty tangible improvements that have happened that we think can still leap leap board this team into being one of those premier sunbelt programs so you know whatever it takes right and i guess the other side of you know, Brandon only went two innings. Rafael Acosta only went two and two thirds on the Sunday game. Turn around, you play a Marshall team that, you know, for the second straight home series in conference play, Georgia State is playing the team in last place because since they beat Arkansas State in two or three, Marshall has taken that uh, unfortunate mantle of last in the standings in the Sun Belt. Um, this is another opportunity at home. You know, you're playing a team that it feels like you have to win the series. Um, but because you, you took two or three, which is a good result against Arkansas State, feels like if you let another one go and you only went two or three here against Marshall, still positive. But I think you feel like, you know, a, a couple weeks ago, you probably felt like you had to sweep at least one of those just because you got to defend your home turf and you got to bank these wins against teams that aren't at the top of the league because you've still got Texas state to play. You still got old dominion to play. You still got a Georgia Southern team that hosted a regional last year and is a good team. And obviously the rivalry and all that goes with that. And so it feels like an important weekend to really, it's the end of the stretch where it's winnable series is for sure. And you didn't get the job done against South Alabama, but fought tooth and nail to try and get it. Um, and Vanderbilt's a place Georgia State's won in the last couple of years. So obviously they're going to go in with their heads held high and try and uh, take down the Vandy boys. Uh, now, I mean, Vandy is a very good program, so it'll be just another good midweek test. And, you know, going to be tough for sure. They've got guys that are going to go in the top 10 of the draft basically every year, and that's no different this year. They got a guy, Bradfield, who is just very good. Um It'll be a nice little, you know, jaunt up to Nashville on a Tuesday. Just test yourself against one of the year-in-year-out better college baseball programs in Vanderbilt. I hope they win. You know, like, 
make it weird. I, there's been some weird college baseball upsets this year. Yeah, I think no, Nichols this, just this beat week, LSU, yeah. right? LSU lost to Louisiana last week, and Nichols this week on a it was a insane web gym play diving catch by the shortstop, and LSU had the base runners pass each other, um, and the during the play because. The guy who was on second thought it was going to get down. And he was going to be the winning run. And yeah, Troy beat Auburn this past Tuesday. Uh, there's a handful. I don't have them pulled up to look, but it's been some freaky midweek games in SEC land the last couple of weeks. So certainly if that trend's going to continue, favors Georgia State. I mean, Georgia State beating Georgia is also one of those. Certainly fits in that trend as well. Um, we'll see on next Tuesday. Uh, what Georgia State can do to continue to add to the midweek madness that's been going on. Yeah, I hope they win. Let's, you know, let's make some headlines. Why not? All right. And that's all the time we have this week. But of course, before we get you out of here, we do have to talk about everything that's happening in Georgia State athletics, starting with today as of the release of this podcast. Men's Golf Sunbelt Conference Championship is concluding in Madison, Mississippi, and Beach Volleyball heads to Huntsville, Alabama to take on Stephen F. Austin in the first round of the Sunbelt Conference Championship. Both of these events are on ESPN+, and the Beach Volleyball Championship will continue over the next several days, depending on results of today's game. Friday, women's track and field travels down to Jacksonville, Florida for the East Coast Relays. Baseball hosts Marshall and Atlanta at 6 p.m. That game will be on ESPN+. And softball travels to Monroe, Louisiana to face ULM at 7 p.m. That game also on ESPN Plus as those two series get underway. On Saturday, it's a continuation of the same. Women's track and field continue in the East Coast Relays. Softball plays their second game of the series against ULM at 3 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Baseball hosts Marshall at 3 p.m. also on ESPN Plus. And on Sunday, it's the conclusion of those series with baseball hosting Marshall at 1 p.m. on ESPN Plus and softball playing their final game at ULM at 1 p.m. also on ESPN Plus. Moving into May on Tuesday, we have baseball traveling, of course, up to Nashville, Tennessee to face Vanderbilt at 7 p.m. That game will be on SEC Network Plus. And that is all we've got going on in Georgia State Athletics this week. Get out there, support your teams, and We'll see you in next week's episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. Have a good week and go Panthers.